Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Well, I say it all the time, I'm convinced that the only reason that you show up every Sunday is to experience Jesus. Why else would you come? Why would you waste your time coming to church just so you could pat yourself on the back and make yourself feel better? You know, I went to church today. And if you grew up religious, that's probably, it certainly can be a part of it sometimes, but we don't do religion very well around here. We try to do Jesus very well. So, uh, we ask the band to come back and we're going to try to do this last uh, song one more time. How about that? Is that okay? I don't know what you've been through. You know, we're going to look at the life of Joseph maybe in a minute. <laughs> See what happens. And uh, if, if you've been following along these last few weeks, you, you, you've just seen a young man, 17 year old, whose life has just been nothing but a roller coaster. I'm talking about Joseph of the Old Testament. And. It's been a life where he was the favored son. Then he became a brutalized brother because he was a favored son. And so his brothers got sick of him. And then he went from being a favored son to a brutalized brother to an Egyptian slave. Nothing good about being a slave. And then he went from being a slave to being imprisoned in Egypt. So it's just like life goes from bad to worse, you know. But then he interprets some dreams and then... He's elevated to being the second in command. But if you look at his life, it's 20 plus years of, God, what are you doing? What are you up to? I, I can't, I can't trace your hand. But what Joseph learned was he could trust, he could trust God's heart. That regardless of the way things look, is how bad things can get, the losses that you experience, the hurt that you experience in this life is that you just learn that you can trust Him. And honestly, you just have to go through some of that muck and mire sometimes before you come to the place where you realize you can actually trust Him. Till you go through that, it's just, it's just flowers. It's just make-believe stuff. It's just churchy stuff on Sunday morning. But when you go, when you experience the pit, literally, as Joseph did. And then you've been elevated to second in command. Then you know how to appreciate the second in command. Then you'll get to an attitude where it won't even matter whether he elevates you to the second in command or not. That won't even matter anymore because the relationship will be enough. So I'm just going to ask. We had to go find them. And we're going to do that again, if that's okay. Are you good? Come on, let's stand together.
just kind of bring it down like we did before. And I think most of you know that you're free here to do whatever you feel. Um, and that may look like sitting, kneeling, standing, coming down front. But it's just whatever that looks like for you, whatever God is speaking to you, maybe you've never felt that before, but that thing that feels different, that's what that is. His presence is in this room. And he is running after you. So let's just take this moment to just sing to him. Thank him for what he's done. And like I said before, just kind of sing this over your life, whatever you're going through. He has the power to move through worship. Worship is so powerful. And lifting our voices to him together is powerful. So let's sing that again. All my life you have been faithful. the goodness of God. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Y'all can sit down, I guess. I'm not sure what we're going to do. Just don't go anywhere. Hang around. Okay. <clears throat> Lord, have mercy. These are actually very beautiful moments for, for me. These, these are moments when I have to be so incredibly dependent. Holy Spirit to speak to me and tell me what to do. I've heard me say this so many times before. I've never 
thought that I was good at what I did. I never, I never listened to myself and went, oh, you can preach. <clears throat> it's never happened. <laughs> In fact, I remember saying to somebody one time, you know, I don't even have a lot of respect for you that you come listen to me every week. <laughs> There's better people in town, I promise. Um, but, the, but the one thing that I lean into, it's, it's never been about talent or ability or those kind of things, but it's the ability. I'm not sure it's an ability. I don't. My relationship with God is so incredibly sweet. And I can honestly say that that's what I want for you. I, I want for you what I experience and what I have. And that's why, for me, after you know, 35 plus years of doing this, that's why it's still so fresh to me. That's why it's still so good to me because my relationship with Jesus is sweeter today than it's ever been. So I'm going to walk you through a passage of Scripture because I think I need to say some stuff and because some of you are just broken and you come and there's relationships that are just broken. And the story of Joseph, it, it is a story of just broken relationships. So y'all praying? I know what to say next. Cool. It's a story of broken relationships, and, and, and the relationships, I mean, from Joseph's perspective, they should be broken, right? You got brothers that hated you. But then when you look at the brothers, you think, well, I mean, they, they had just seen, literally, their dad said, I love, I love him more than I love y'all. That's tough. Literally gave him a coat that symbolized the very fact that, that they would spend their whole lives working in the field and he would not. He would just sit at home. So they'd had enough. And in a, uh, in a moment of jealousy and hate and rage and anger and a family that's full of complete dysfunction. That's why I love the Bible. The one I love the Bible because it's so real. It's, it's not like I, the Bible I grew up with somehow. It, it's real life stories of messed up people. And that's why I love this story because it's a story of just messed up people. And so these brothers, they beat him up, throw him in a pit, and leave him there for dead. And then one of the really nice brothers says, let's don't, let's don't leave him here for dead. Let's sell him. So they did. They sold him to a band of slave traders and then he was taken to Egypt and sold into slavery and if you follow his story and again I'm not going to go into it but you know that there he every, everything he touched God blessed even as a slave everything that he touched God blessed and then Potiphar's wife this powerful Egyptian official he's the guy that bought him and then his wife made advances with Joseph and as a 17 year old if you can wrap your brain around that a 17 year old filled with testosterone declines her invitations and, and literally in the Hebrew what she was saying was sex now it's literally how it reads that, that is a literal translation so of course uh, she accuses him of after he refuses her advances and she accuses him of assault he's thrown in prison but in prison they notice there's something different about him. He interprets the dreams of a couple of guys in prison. <laughs> One of them dies. That's a bummer. Uh, the other guy, though, is released from prison and 
things go well for him, but he completely forgets about Joseph. And that's all really Joseph asked. He said, just remember me. But he forgot him. You track him with the story, the brokenness, the relationships that are broken. So then Pharaoh has a couple of dreams, and long story short, Joseph interprets those dreams, and he says there's going to be seven years of good and seven years of bad. There are going to be seven years of feast, and there are going to be seven years of fat. Of fat of famine. Thank you. It's better than last week. Let me just say that. <laughs> if you weren't here and don't know what that means, thank you, Jesus. That's all I can say. And so it's it's interesting because this what I was going to focus on today deals with that that latter part. It's it's the famine. And in Genesis forty two, when Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons. And, and I've, 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 I'm, nothing in my notes. But every time I read this, it, it makes me wonder how he said it. <laughs> he says, why, why do you just, why do you just keep looking at each other? And I wonder, and the reason I wonder, because I wonder, what is, he, what is he thinking? I mean, if you go all the way back to the beginning of the story, let's just be honest, he never trusted his sons. He never did. He sent Joseph out in the field. He said, when they're out in the field working, he said, you know what, I don't trust them to be working. You go out there and, and bring back a report. And then Joseph did, and it was a bad report, and that was a, another strike for family unity. And so I wonder at this point if he says, you know what, you guys literally, I mean, it's been it's 20 years on the other side of Joseph missing. 20 years of him grieving his son. And now they have no food to eat and it looks like they're going to die. And he says, I mean, can't y'all think for yourselves? Can't you do anything right? I wonder if the, at this point if maybe he even suspects that maybe they had something to do with Joseph being missing. So they go to Egypt and they're in front of Joseph and they don't even recognize Joseph. But Joseph recognizes them. And he's, he's kind of mean to him, as you can expect. He speaks to him kind of harshly. Literally, that's a word in the Hebrew. He speaks harshly to him. And at this point of the story, if you've been following along, you go, it's about time. You know? If it had been me, I probably would have said, hello, boys. Look at me now. You know, I'm your brother. I, there would have been, I would have had to say something, but he doesn't. He doesn't say anything. When those, when those sons left their father, Jacob prayed a sweet little prayer. He, he prays that God would have mercy. And the interesting thing is that God was at work showing mercy in this story. So he asks him some questions, and uh, they tell him about Benjamin, his younger brother. And he says, all right, I'll tell you what, you've got to go back. Go back to your dad. Bring back your brother. I'm going to, one of you is going to go. I'm going to keep the others here in prison. And, uh, and so you, you go, you, you get your younger brother, and you bring him back. And then he thinks on that for a couple of days, three days, actually. And he comes back and he says, you know what? I was a little too harsh. I tell you what, I'm going to send all of you but one. I'm going to keep one here in prison. I'm going to send the rest back. But you bring back your younger brother. I want to see him. So then he fills their 
their sacks with grain and then he takes the money their money the money that they spent to buy that grain and he put it back in their sacks everything that you look in this story it seems like that if you're honest if you take your churchy glasses off and if you just read it the story for like it unfolds as you read this story you get the impression that he's he's been mean he's been hateful he's been sneaky a little deceptive and you think what what is he up to is he is he just out to punish him they get away from Egypt before they get home and they open up their sacks of grain actually to feed one of the animals and they realize that their money is still there they go oh no God's out to get us so they make it back home what are we going to do with the money they make it back home and uh, they tell Jacob they said you know listen and Jacob says why in the world did you even tell me you had a younger brother and he says well I mean he was asking questions and and we were just trying to do the right thing and so we answered him to the best of our ability and he said well I'm <laughs> you're not you're not, you're not taking Benjamin away from me. And they didn't until all the food was gone that they had brought back from Egypt. And now they're desperate. They're desperate. Remember as I was reading through this story, I thought, wow, Desperation. That's what brings a lot of us to God, isn't it? Desperation. That's why some of you are here this morning. I'm so glad you're here. That you would run the risk of walking into a church on a Sunday morning because you're desperate. You know you've messed up. Your sin is weighing heavy on you, Right? So he sends, he says, all right, go back. We don't have a choice. We're going to die. So take Benjamin with you and go back. And so he does. And, and so it's, it's an interesting story. The more that you read, it's just things continue to unfold. And again, I'm leaving out a lot of stuff here. But uh, when you get back to Egypt, one of the things that those brothers made sure that they did was they actually told Joseph's steward about the money that was left in their sack. And for Joseph, he went, wow. This is the evidence that I'm looking for. I'm, I've been looking for evidence of a broken heart. For evidence of repentance. And, and, and repentance is more than just being sorry. I was, I was somehow taught that if you're just sorry, but that, that's not it. it. It comes from two words, actually. If you look at the Hebrew, it means to, to, to turn around. So if you're moving in a direction, you literally turn around. It comes from a Greek word that literally means to change your mind. So you're moving in a direction and you decide to change your mind and move in a different direction. You do a 180 to move in a, in a completely, the completely opposite direction. And that's what these guys had done. And that's what Joseph was looking for. Has there been a change? Has there been a change of mind? Has there been a change of heart? Because when you're desperate, you'll lie won't you you ever bargain with God when you were desperate hello am I the only one we're a bunch of sad people aren't we 
Who are we bargaining with God? That's what I do. I say, I tell you what, Lord, you bless me, you give me this, you do that. I tell you what, I'll go to church Sunday. And Lord, you know I'm desperate if I'm saying I'll go to church. Now, I'm not promising you I'll listen or anything. And I'm not promising you I'll go back the next Sunday. You know, like I'm not going to get carried away, but I'll promise you I'll go Sunday. Y'all ever made any of those bargains with God? interesting it's, it's, it's a beautiful beautiful story I'd go back to my notes but I'm so lost at this point as, as I navigated this, this passage I, I think I told you in the beginning of this series some of you guys weren't here I told you in the beginning of the series it was going to be a three week series and then it turned into a four week series and then it turned into a five week series and if I can be honest, I really wanted to cut it off at three. Let me tell you why. Because I didn't want to deal with this part of the story. I didn't want to deal with this part of the story because if I'm just honest, I got broken relationships in my life too. I mean, in the story, it's just, it's just a story of broken relationships. It's, it's broken, Joseph's broken relationship with his brothers. His brother's broken relationship with him. But it's, their, their dad is so mixed up in all of this. I mean, every, everywhere you look, there's brokenness. And I've, I've, I, you know, I know it's hard to believe being a pastor, you think, you know, that we get together Christmas, we all sing and hug and kiss and talk about Jesus. We don't. Sometimes we do. It can be tension filled those rooms sometimes. Are you with me? Because there's struggles in those relationships. What Joseph was looking for was a change of heart because he wanted to restore the relationship. It's a crazy story. In spite of all that he'd experienced with his brothers, his desire was reconciliation. So what's the moral of the story? I don't know if this will mean anything to anybody or not, but I felt like I needed to share it. The moral of the story is this, and here's what I've learned over the years in the broken relationships I've had. I can only do what I can do. I can only do what I can do. I can't my job is not to reconcile that's God's job God has to do some stuff that I, I can't do but what I can do is be obedient to him and what that means is I have to sit down and try to have some of those conversations hard conversations and people hate conversations and they hate confrontation they just do I, I'm one of those people I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever asked in this particular how many of you really love confrontation I had one in the first service I went wow I wish I was like you but I'm not the rest of us go how do you like that it's awful but without it there can't be any change I have some of those stories that I can tell and, and reconciliation took place and friendships that were lost for 10 plus years have been restored and oh, oh I love those people I love being around those people I love, I love it's crazy I even love hearing the sound of their voice sometimes you know, y'all know what I'm talking about. A lost relationship's been reconciled. And then, and then I've got other stories. Just didn't happen. So what I'm going to challenge you with is what relationships do you have in your life that are broken? And, and maybe a name's coming to you. And then here, here's all I'm asking. 
Have you taken any action? Have you, have you tried to have a conversation? And it doesn't always work out. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now. This, I, I, I know I, wanna, I want you to think you're going to go out here, you're going to have the conversation, birds are going to sing, you're going to see butterflies flying around, and you're going to hear, you know, organ music, uh, harp music, and everything's going to be fine. It doesn't always happen that way. But the challenge is, are you willing to do your part? You know, it's interesting, as I'm standing here praying, I think that another part of this whole relationship business is our relationship with God. That can be broken. And the beautiful thing is, is that God longs to reconcile as we come to him and bring him our brokenness, our anger. Hello. Just our anger. You ever just been angry at God? Boy, I have. Cussed and fussed and threw stuff, called him names. Honestly, there was times I just, I just thought, go ahead, strike me down. End it. But in his mercy, in his compassion, in his gentleness, he just loved me. So maybe right now some of you are followers of Jesus, but really what you need to do is just right now, just right where you are, maybe just bow your head. Maybe you need to process this whole thing, and maybe part of that is you need to process the relationship you have with others. And maybe some of you say, you know what, God, you just got to give me the strength, and you got to give me the wisdom, and I got to push through. And for some of you, you know what, you, you need to hear somebody look at you and say you've done all you can do you've done everything you can do let it go let God be God give God time let God work for some of you as followers of Jesus if you were just gut level honest you'd say you know what I've just been angry at God and what you need to know is that he's just been running after you <laughs> running after you and you didn't see his goodness you didn't recognize it as goodness but that's exactly what it is and maybe you just need to deal with him just take your time, go ahead, do that right now so if you aren't a follower of Jesus you may be wondering well shoot, what am I doing here I mean like how does this apply to me spiritually I mean, I know I'm supposed to come. I'm desperate. I showed up at church. I don't, but I don't, I don't know how any of this applies to me. Well, Isaiah 59 says that our sins have made a separation between us and God. So my guess is, if you're like me, then probably what, what you've been doing is, is you've been trying to reconcile on your own, right? So you've been trying to, and you've been trying to do that by, by being better and doing better, but the problem is you keep messing up. You just can't live a sinless life. Then my guess is this verse in Ephesians 2, boy, it will, it will so speak to your heart. Here's what it says. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And I've been talking to a lot of people over the years that are far from God that would say, that's how I feel. Spiritually, I feel dead. There's just no life. 
Verse 4 of Ephesians 2 says this, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And then verse 8, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works. It's not about works and about you doing better and being better. It's about what Jesus did to make the relationship right. You do what you can do. And that's just to come to him humbly and say, I'm a sinner. I mean, nobody has to beat me over the head with the Bible. I know I'm a sinner. And then for you to let God do what only God can do. And that is to forgive you of your sin step into your life and bring change he loves you he's crazy about you he proved it the cross proves it absolutely proves his love for you and that would be enough but that's not the end of the story on the third day he was raised from the dead he's alive Jesus is alive and what you feel right now is life his life in this place so if you're here this morning you're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to be then right there in your seat you can pray a prayer something like this your words don't have to be my exact words that's for sure maybe you just say Father something you never even dreamed that you could call the God the creator of the universe but you could just call him Father my heavenly daddy I confess that I'm a sinner go ahead tell him no, no doubt about that I'm a sinner nobody has to beat me over the head with the Bible Lord I know I'm a sinner but this morning I want to repent I want to turn from my sin I want to turn to you I want to change my mind on how I live my life and how I do life I want to turn away from me and I want to turn toward you And just tell him right now. It's, it's not this sweet little prayer. It's an attitude of the heart. And tell him right now, I just want to fully surrender my life to you. In all of your love. In all of your mercy. In all of your grace. I just want to give my life to you. And the pledge from this day forward, I just want to follow you. Lord Jesus, what an incredible day. You are amazing. Thank you, Lord, that you show up and you speak in such powerful ways. Thank you, Lord, that you know you, you can do things that are so far beyond anything that we as humans can do. Because it is not about us. It's all about you all about you thank you Lord for showing up thank you for speaking to hearts thank you Lord for just showing us your love and Lord for revealing yourself to us in the most amazing ways and Lord can I just tell you that I love you 
And Lord, every time I tell you that I love you, I'm always reminded that the only reason I love you is because you loved me first. Because you kept running after me and you kept drawing me to you. That's the only reason. And honestly, Lord, it is what just keeps me and draws me into a deeper love with you. It's in your sweet name that we pray.